I want to thank Dan and the praise team for uh, leading us in worship today. It's been great to have Dan here with us recently and uh, kind of helping us on a on a fill-in worship uh, leader basis, and he'll be here for the next few weeks, and we're, we're always glad to have Dan come be part of this uh, with us. So if you get a chance, thank him. It's great to, great to see him. Um, I want to start this morning with a, uh, a, a basic truth. All right, we're going to start with kind of building blocks, right? A basic truth about our faith, and that's this, that Jesus Christ is our perfect Savior. He's the perfect Savior for us. Um, I mean that for us as individuals, but I mean it for us as a community, that, that God, in His Son, has sent us exactly the Savior that we need. Now, if, if, uh, if you're new to this Christianity thing, or if it, maybe you were connected to it when you were younger and you're kind of dipping your toe back in, um, I understand that this is a sentence that needs some unpacking, right? There's a lot of, of, of church language kind of packed in there, and we'll do a little bit of that today, but we would love the opportunity, uh, if you want to know more, uh, to talk to you about that. There are, are shepherds here, ministers, members that would love to, to share with you why we think Jesus Christ is the perfect Savior. And we'd, we'd love to be in conversation with you about that. But if you're a, a Christian for any amount of time, this is one of those statements that you can look at and go, yeah, right, sure. Jesus Christ is our perfect Savior. That's kind of why, why I'm in this thing. He's the, he's the Savior that I was looking for, that, that, that I needed. And we can nod our head, and if we're, we're really brave, we can even amen that, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Wow, I got one. That was good. <laughs> um, you know, we can, we can say, we can say yes, we, we totally agree that not only is this a basic truth of our faith, but that it's a transformational truth. That it's the kind of truth that if we let it, changes who we are. In fact, that's kind of the point. We're, we're, we're called to be people that let the truth of Jesus as our Savior change who we are on a regular basis. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's a little, there's a little trick about basic truths. And that's that we have a tendency to take them for granted. To, uh, to even at times ignore them or prioritize them lower in, in our lives. Doesn't matter how true we think that is. We have a tendency to take them for granted. So uh, I think it was sometime last year, we did a sermon series here on the five love languages, right? Some of you remember that who were here with us. Some of you may be uh, familiar with that. That's the idea that, that we're not all created equal when it comes to how we express or feel the communication of love, right? For some people, they, they feel more loved when people spend quality time with them. Others, it's when they have words of affirmation. And so we have this, this sermon series, and we all take tests to figure out what our language is. And my wife and I took these, these tests simply to confirm what we already knew. That I really like quality time, and my wife really responds to gift giving, and I'm terrible at gift giving. This is what was confirmed. In fact, I think I preached on gift giving in that series, and we got up here and, and confessed how bad I was at that. 
But that series confirmed a basic truth about my wife. And that is that to express love to her, the best way to do that is through gift giving. And that was, that was hammered home to me as we went through that process to know my wife really likes getting gifts. And so I'd like to report that since that time, since that sermon series, I have been transformed into like an Oprah Winfrey level gift giver. Watch it. I would like to report that. I would love to be able to stand up here and say that I have been transformed into the, some phenomenal gift giver. I've done all right. We did pretty good at Mother's Day, right? We did all right. I got a nod out of that. That's good. But I haven't. Confession time again, right? Why? Because I took that, that basic truth about my wife and I filed it away in the brain somewhere. It's there. I know it. I know it about her. That she responds well to gifts and she loves to give gifts. I've got that in there. But for some reason, it's not one that I keep at the forefront of my mind to let it transform the way I act towards her. It doesn't drive how I act towards her. Right? And we do that with all kinds of of truths about life. Um, Newsflash. Junk food is not good for you. We know that, right? Nobody needs, a, no, nobody needs a, a sermon on junk food's not good for you, but we, you know, a lot of us still eat it. Because we know that truth, but we don't let it kind of drive, uh, d- drive how we act. That's, that, that's what happens. We prioritize these truths a lot of times. And the fact is, as much as we might not want to admit it, this happens with things as, as basic and faith-based and transformational as Jesus Christ is our perfect Savior. We can even take things like that for granted. So we've been going through this, uh, this sermon series, um, Never Gonna Let Me Down, talking about the faithfulness of God, and we've been using passages from the book of Hebrews, right? And the book of Hebrews is it's not really a, a letter, it's more of kind of a, a sermon, uh, but in written form that would have been sent out to, to groups, of, groups of Christians, um, pr- probably Christians who, whose heritage was in the, the Jewish faith. And they were connected to that because there's a lot of language about the Jewish faith in, in, the, in the book of Hebrews. And we've been looking at that for, for passages about uh, God's faithfulness and how that's seen in, in Jesus. And what's interesting is that book is chock full of basic truths about the faith. Tons of them. One right after another. You could list them off. But there's also a lot of warnings, and there's some places in Hebrews where the writer, we don't know exactly who that is, but the writer gets pretty harsh, honestly. And one of those places is in chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 11. And in the New Living Translation, uh, the, the, the writer says this, There is much more we would like to say about this. We'll talk about what this is in a few minutes. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. That's what you want to hear, right? 
If you're the audience, you're spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. The writer of Hebrews knows what we do with basic truths. That a lot of times we file those back. And yes, we say we believe in those. But at some point, we fail to listen. Our, our hearing gets cloudy. I like what the, the NIV, the New International Version, how, how they put it. It's a little more of a paraphrase of this, but it, it does fit the context pretty well. It says, we have much to say about this. There's that again. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. All right, so guess what the this is? What the basic truth that's being referred to here is. What's the one we started with? That Jesus Christ is the perfect Savior for us. In fact, whole portions of of the book of Hebrews are centered around um, convincing this audience that Jesus is exactly the Savior that they need. And so, even though this might sound a, a little bit harsh, and it gets harsher, by the way. Uh, there's, more, there's more to it than this. I think the reason for that is um, the writer of Hebrews knows there's a lot writing on this. Knows how important it is for these people to, to hold on and to dig deeper to try to understand what it means that Jesus Christ is the perfect Savior. Because if they stop trying to understand, at some point, it's going to cost them. And we get how that works in relationships, right? Whether it's a marriage or a friendship or parenting or whatever, if one person stops listening to the other, if one person stops trying to understand the other, what happens? We start to, to, to kind of grow, we call it growing apart, right? Our interests go in different ways, and, a, and a, a chasm opens up between us as we stop listening to each other. We know what this looks like, right? It's, we call it Twitter. Um, there's, there's, there's moments in our lives where we're really good at saying our own stuff, but not necessarily listening to, uh, to others, and what's, what's, what's hard about that is in a relationship, you, you grow apart, you grow apart, and then one day you wake up and you realize that relationship doesn't exist anymore. And see, I think that's exactly, that's exactly what the Hebrew writer is afraid is happening and has already happened with many of the, the people in their audience. In fact, in Hebrews 10, further down, they'll talk about, hey, there's some of you who've even stopped being part of the community. You've even stopped meeting together. You've kind of given all that up because it's grown apart so much. You've taken it for granted so much that you don't even think about it. It hasn't become part of who you are. And so the question is, how do they get there? How do you get to a place where you're taking for granted basic truths about Jesus. And um, it's hard to know exactly what that is, like why that happens with the, the Hebrew audience. We can, we can kind of infer some things in different places, but it's hard to know exactly. But I, I don't know that, that that should stop us from trying. Um, here's, the, here's the other thing. 
Um, I don't know how hard we need to dig into it because we know why it happens for us, right? If we're honest, we know why. We know that we all have a temptation to, to come do all the things right, to check all the boxes, to show up to church, to, uh, to say the right things, to, 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 look, uh, to look the part, to act the part, and yet somehow take for granted that Jesus Christ is our perfect Savior and not try to understand that more. We understand that that happens, that there are people in this room struggling with that right now. That happens in the community of faith. So the question is, what gets us there? And I think there's a few reasons. You know, one of them might be suffering, right? That might be the case for some of the people in this audience. They've gone through a lot. Some of them have suffered because of their, uh, because of their faith. Some kind of, of mistreatment or persecution. They've gone through that because of their faith. And maybe it finally got to them. Maybe it was just too much. And so they walked away to avoid further suffering. Or they started just kind of playing the game a little bit. For others, um, it may be that they've heard about other saviors. Does this sound familiar? There's, there's some places in Hebrews I could point to where I think that might be happening, but let's talk about it in our lives. You know, th- there's always a temptation. There's all these voices out there calling us, saying uh, that, that there are other forces out there that can, can save us, making promises about, about giving us meaning and purpose, giving us safety and contentment, security, whether that's our job or our family or relationships or our own pride, there are plenty of voices out there that want to tell us, hey, come follow me and I'll save you. We can be those own voices for ourselves, right? And the problem is the more we listen to those voices, the more we start to, we start to stop listening, the more we stop listening to the perfect Savior, Jesus And for others, it may be that they've gotten too comfortable. You know, they've kind of gotten into a rhythm of of doing the the religious life, of doing doing the the Christian life. They do the things that are asked of them. Um, They're there, part of the community. They're they're doing all the things. but, but, But somehow they're not connected to this idea that Jesus Christ is the perfect Savior. They've stopped digging into that. All right. Real downer of a sermon so far, right? Um, But we got to be honest about that. We got to be honest about the fact that it's hard for us sometimes uh, to 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 stay faithful and committed to this idea that Jesus Christ is our perfect Savior. So what I want to do today is I want to go back um, just before the passage, uh, the the verse I read a few minutes ago, where it says um, this. I want to go to the this. Okay, and I want us to look at that uh, starting in Hebrews chapter 4. Um, and, and I want us to, verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4. And here's what I want us to do I, I want us to, to think through um, what is being said about Jesus. And it's going to be a little difficult. I'm going to be upfront with you, okay? 
Because this book, Hebrews, was written at a specific time in history to a specific group of people. And the honest truth of the matter is it uses some language and pictures and uh, mind pictures and, and, and images that are difficult for us to get our minds around because we're not part of that system. And if, and if I had more time and this was a class, we could dig into that and I could, uh, I could spend time really un, unraveling some of that because there's some beautiful stuff there. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we don't have time for that. Um, and I don't think we necessarily have to get into the weeds because I think there's some timeless things that we can hit on and see there that, that we can grab onto um, that resonate with us today. So that's what I want to do. But I, I do want to set it up this way and say, uh, you know, like I said earlier, the, the writer is writing to a group of people who had Jewish roots. And so a lot of the language that's being used here kind of grounds itself in that. And primarily, one of the images used for Jesus throughout the book of Hebrews is that he is the great high priest. In order for these people to understand why Jesus is the perfect Savior for them, they have to grasp this idea that he is the great high priest. And the high priest, for, uh, for their understanding and their culture, would be the one who kind of bridged the gap between them and God, who on a regular basis during the year would deal with the sin of the community and their own sin and kind of kind of get rid of those things that stood between them and God to keep that relationship going. That was their role. And so there's a lot of pictures of Jesus doing that throughout this. So you're going to hear that language. But like I said, I don't want us to get caught up in all that. I want us to listen for the things that really resonate. What are the things we understand and know even today in this passage? So I want to start in verse 14, and then we'll go a little ways and skip down. I'll show you where. It'll be up on the, on the screen. The Hebrew writer says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently. He is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. So back to Jesus. We've had the picture of, of, of the, the priest again. Jesus, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. All right, everybody got that? Let's go to lunch. All right. There's a lot of thick language there, right? Even an introduction to Melchizedek there at the end, which that's a beautiful story too. We don't, don't have time to get into that. But I think we can hear some things we resonate with in there. 
truths about Jesus being the perfect Savior. And I want to just list a couple of them. This isn't an exhaustive list, but I want us to hear these today. Jesus is the perfect Savior because he makes forgiveness of sins possible. That's the whole idea of saying that he's the priest, right? And I'm not going to say a lot about that just because um, if, if you want to hear more, Corey preached a sermon last week on that, did a great job. Uh, you can go back and, and, and listen to that. So he talked about forgiveness of sins and what Jesus' role in that is. And, and I'd love for you to, uh, to hit that. But I, I, do, um, I do want to say this. I, we know how this works in relationships too, right? If you think about a relationship in your life, again, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a marriage you're, let's say it's a, a, a relationship in which you let things pile up between you. You let faithlessness and dishonesty and small uh, moments where you ignore each other. You let forgetfulness and, and even times contempt. You let those things pile up. And then you realize that that's kind of happened between you, and you realize that has to be dealt with before this relationship can continue, right? The same thing happens with, with us and, and God. And the thing that I think we do sometimes is, is we know that we let those things pile up between us and God, and we get to a point where we think it's, it's, it can't be overcome, we can't, on our own accord, get, take care of, deal with all the stuff that has piled up between us and God. And the truth is, we're right. We can't. But Jesus can, and he already has. And so if that's where you're at, Jesus is the perfect Savior for you because he forgives sins. He's the one who deals with those and makes relationship with God possible. Jesus is the perfect Savior, not only because he makes forgiveness of sins possible, but by doing that, he gives us access to mercy and grace. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of convicted more and more that, that we live in an increasingly graceless culture. You know, I think there are times we feel like we're progressing and we're doing better, and I think in some ways that may be the case. But, but, but as you look at our culture, um, we're not increasing in, in, the, in the ways we give grace to each other and to other people. And, and I know there are people in this room who struggle with that because you, you don't experience grace and mercy in your life. Whether it's in your job or your home or your relationships or even, sometimes this is the worst, in our own heart, in our own lives. You move through worlds where every little misstep is held over people's heads. Sometimes we're defined by the worst things we do, right? Where your value is determined by what you can produce and how fast you can produce it where you aren't allowed the space and the support to fail and to learn and to grow. Where you feel like you constantly have to prove yourself. See, we start identifying ourselves in these ways. That our identity surrounds how much we can produce or, or, or what we can do for other people. We start to see ourselves in that way and we hold ourselves to that standard. 
And if that's the case for you, Jesus is the perfect Savior. Because in grace, Jesus reminds us that our identity is not in what we make ourselves. Our identity is bound up in that we are children of God. And he wants us to grab onto that and to understand that more and more. Jesus is the perfect Savior for us because, and this is the last one I'll talk about, he understands our sufferings. Um, You heard talk of that in the passage about how much Jesus understands what we've gone through because he went through it himself. Um, Corey preached a little bit on this a couple weeks ago. I I do want to hit a a couple of things. Um, I think it's difficult for for us to think through this sometimes, especially when we're going through the the midst of suffering. But I, I don't think Jesus came to take away our suffering. You know, we talk about never gonna let me down. Um, sometimes we are let down by our own expectations of God because some of us have an expectation that, that God's going to keep us from all suffering, keep us from anything bad happening. And then when it happens, we wonder what, what's going on. But that's, that's never been the promise. Jesus didn't come to, to, to take away our suffering. Jesus came to give back what suffering so often takes away if we let it. And that is our memory of the past and hope for the future. Have you ever slammed your finger in a car door? It hurts. Aiden knows, right? It hurts, doesn't it? Now the thing about slamming your finger in a car door is nothing makes you more alive in the present moment than an immense amount of pain, right? But it nails your feet to the ground in the present, Because with that throbbing finger, you cannot remember all the times before that you've experienced pain and then gotten over it, right? Those cease to exist. And then you cannot imagine a time in the future where that will not hurt. You are so in the moment that you cannot think of the past or move into the future with hope. And that's, a, that's kind of a silly example. But that is what happens to us sometimes if we let it in suffering. We get so pinned down to the, to the present. And what Jesus offers us back is to say, no, you can, you can suffer with hope. You can suffer with a memory of the faithfulness that God has shown in the past and with the hope that he's going to show it again. And he offers that back. The writer of Hebrews will talk about that even more in Hebrews chapter 10 and kind of talk about these kinds of things. But this is the beauty of, um, of, of the Jesus story is he shows us, he goes through it. He doesn't stand over us as some kind of like domineering coach and say, yeah, suck it up, buttercup, you're going to be all right. Keep moving. No, he, he knows because he's been there. And he can, he can deal with us gently and with mercy. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to get hard at times and, and, and discipline's not involved. There's parts of that in Hebrews too. But, but we have a Savior who knows what we've gone through and, and, and reacts to us with empathy. Um, 
Okay, so, so, so what on all this? I, I wanted to, to, to use some of that to paint the picture of why Jesus is the perfect Savior for us. But, because it's, it's immensely important that, that we remember it. Um, I want to say just a, just a couple, couple of quick things. Um, even with how beautiful that, those truths are, we still struggle sometimes with, with uh, listening, with trying to, trying to understand them. And I think the call for us as Christians is to live lives where we're constantly trying to understand that more. Because here's the beauty. You never stop finding new things. If we ever narrow down what Jesus has done for us and why he's a perfect Savior to one or two things, we've missed the point. It's deeper and bigger than that. And we spend our lives humbly learning the ways that Jesus uh, is the perfect Savior for us. But how do we do that? How do we keep that at the forefront of our mind? I want to go back just a second to me giving gifts to my wife. Okay? Imagine that I woke up every morning and spent like 15 minutes reflecting on just the idea that my wife really likes getting gifts. What would change? Or maybe I even have a a, a journal that she's written, and I can look in that journal and I can see all the things that she feels when she gets a gift and what that means to her. Or maybe I talk to her about it on a regular basis, once once a day or every couple of weeks, and I ask her, hey, Talk to me. Tell me about how this feels. Maybe I've even got people in my life. Uh, I'll look at, uh, look at my buddy Mark. Uh, I'm actually setting myself up for this, by the way. What, what, if, what if, my, if, if I had a relationship enough with my buddy Mark who will, he'll come to me and say, hey, how's that gift-giving stuff going? How you doing with that? What if I even had a group of people that all got together on, I don't know, let's say a Sunday morning. And we gathered in a room and we sang songs about gift giving. You know where I'm going with this, right? How do you grow in this stuff? How do you keep that on the forefront? You do the things we know to do as Christians. You're in community uh, with with people who can keep you accountable. You you spend time in, in the Word to learn more about God. You spend time in prayer to God to learn more about it. Reflecting on, praying about, thinking about. Why Jesus is a perfect Savior for us. Um, and, and you let these things resonate. It's, it's the stuff we know to do. It's the stuff you've heard over and over again. But we keep doing it because we know how important this is. And if we don't, if we don't move with perseverance and faithfulness, and that's the trick, Faithfulness. What all this comes down to, we've been talking in this series about the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God is always meant to inspire faithfulness in us. Not only back to him, but to other people. The faithfulness of Jesus is meant to drive us deeper into our own faithfulness. And that's the call. Is how do we become more and more faithful? Um, Church, would you stand? A few weeks ago, I ended service uh, with, 
with the, the encouragement that um, I wanted you to think about people in your life who had, who had modeled faithfulness for you. Because it's in, it's in following their example, I think, that, we're, uh, th- that, that we learn how to do this. We learn from the wisdom of others. And in Hebrews chapter 6, a little further than what we read today, uh, the writer says these words that I want us to hear. It says, We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Faith and patience. Now, we're people in this room who sometimes struggle with keeping the truth of Jesus as our Savior at the forefront. But look around the room. You're surrounded by people who are faithfully living this out. And we have this incredible gift in all of us. This, this group of people that we can dr- help drive each other forward. Always remembering how much Christ loves us and how much he's done for us. We believe that Jesus Christ is the perfect Savior for us, for the world, for you. And if that's something you've not heard before and you want to talk to somebody about that, our shepherds will uh, be available. In fact, them and their wives are going to be at different places in our our building here uh, as we sing this last song. And if you want somebody to talk to or pray with, I encourage you to go to them as we sing uh, one more song.